Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to the Olympic Music of Psychic Hour. Yes, it is Thursday. And normally, we aren't on, on Thursdays, but we did make an adjustment to our schedule this week. And actually, next week's going to be a little bit different as well. We'll be on the air on Sunday at 10 Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and then on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. So that's next week's schedule. And here we are today. We do have a caller with us, 916. We're going to be getting... Be getting to you shortly. I'm talking too fast and starting to slur my words. I sound like a drunk. Hmm. <laughs> but I promise you. I'll check the liver liquor cabinet. <laughs> the liver cabinet. Um, no. Uh, I'm 100% sober. And we are ready to take other callers. So that call, the call in number to reach us. Nine one four three three eight zero one six four, and we ask that you press one, so we know that you want a reading. Nine one six, have you raised your hand? Probably not. Press one if you want to speak with us. I think she wants to speak with us, but she's not paying attention. Facebook and Twitter, you may follow us um, on, and those are linked. Those accounts are linked on our Blog Talk Radio profile, Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic, where you may follow us as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Anything you want to say, Neil? No, it, it's a caller apparently not. I don't know. She's not. She doesn't have her hand raised, so I don't know what's going on. I I was just listening today. <laughs> oh, you're just listening? Okay. Then, yeah. Then, but I did want to. Since I'm on here, I did want to say that I spoke to you a while ago. It's been a couple months. And yeah, I remember. You're Christy, and, right? Um, yeah, about my moving and all that jazz. Yeah. And I ended up I ended up designing a house and you were talking about trees and it's like right next to this huge park and it just confirms that you know, you're right. <laughs> oh. So we're glad yeah, to hear that feedback. Because we're talking about trees and yeah. it's like like I just said, like I'm neighboring like this big huge park with a bunch of big huge green the green evergreen trees and all that. Evergreen stuff, so. trees. We talked about evergreen trees. Yeah. And you have them in your previous location too, but because yes. you're right? Yeah. 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 So. so and then you moved and so the move was successful. You're happy where you're at renting? Oh yes. I'm totally happy. It totally works out and it's a little more expensive than I wanted, but I chose that route because I wanted the location, you know. So yeah. Out, so. Well, it sounds yeah, like it's, it's a beautiful location. And any question yeah. you have for us while we have you on the air, because I thought for sure, since you hadn't called for a while, that you'd wanted a reading. So that's why I brought you uh, on. 
but um, I appreciate that. <laughs> if you're just um, listening, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, not today, only because I'm at work and, you know, I like people listening to me and stuff like that. So. <laughs> okay. Well, if you change your mind, I'll put you back on mute and you can listen. And uh, Thank you. If you change your mind, press one. But we appreciate the validation. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. And we have 519 who is just listening. 519, are you just listening? 519 is just listening. Well, you know, it's interesting because the idea of responsibility has become, I mean, well, it's always, it's always something that people need to be mindful of, their personal responsibility. But we uh, just had a situation where uh, we dealt with a, a, a dog that had gotten loose and uh, it was rather a chase to be able to contain this dog. I found, thank goodness, a neighbor who, who had found the dog atop her fence, uh, climbed up the fence and luckily she had some makeshift leaf, was a leash, was able to secure the dog and, um, and another neighbor was able to take the dog in for the day while we waited for animal control to pick the dog up. And this is a dog who has gotten out repeatedly. So there's a history on the next door site, which is, you know, I think all neighborhoods around the United States have next door sites. So you can socialize with your neighbors um, and, you know, post lost and found types of things and you know, talk about things like loose dogs, etc. So there's a history of this dog getting out. And, uh, you know, I know I felt a lot of frustration with the owners because we had talked to the owners previously, the week prior, right, um, about getting a collar for the dog, taking more responsibility for fencing their dog in, and there, lo and behold, the dog got out again. So um, long story short, animal control was closed the day that we called, and my hope was that the dog would be surrendered by the owners because of the neglect situation and that the dog would be rehomed because this is a young dog with some behavioral issues, but generally a dog that would be adopted by, by a family would be great with kids. Anyway, the, the person holding the dog contacted the owner and unfortunately, unfortunately slash fortunately, the dog was reunited with the owner. Um, When the owner came to get the dog, you could see the loyalty, the bond that the dog had with the owner. Um, and we had a very stern discussion with this man about what he needed to do in terms of his responsibility toward the dog, building a better fence, walking the dog. Obviously, the dog doesn't get out much. And all the various things that he should do. And, of course, my plan is if the dog gets out again, I'm going to take more aggressive steps in getting this owner to surrender the dog. But... When we get into the idea of responsibility, responsibility in our own lives, responsibility to our pets, we also have responsibility to ourselves and to maintaining the numbers in our birth date system. So all of our birth date code numbers, aside from the chakras that exist in our body, take responsibility to maintain. And 
most people aren't aware of the vigilance it takes to maintain those chakras and, and, and numbers in the code. Not only maintain them, but resolve whatever karma that was brought into the, to the lifetime that the, current, the per, person is currently in, um, you know, with those numbers. Karma. What, ha- what, what needs to be done to establish transcendence? So responsibility is a topic today. It's, you know, it's true. And one of the, uh, we have our immediate responsibilities to ourself, to our debt, debtors, to our children, and people that we are responsible for, our pets. Our spouses. When you get into the idea of higher chakra work and putting forth donations or volunteering. Uh, there was just an article in the paper today about how overcrowded the animal shelters are and how dogs, they're such an overcrowded condition that they have more dogs in a kennel than there should be. Water is not changed. There's mess all over. The dogs are totally neurotic. They're either sitting in a corner shaking or they're twirling around in circles. Um, Their emotional states have deteriorated to the point at which they, and they don't even understand why they're there. But these dogs rely on not the staffing, but volunteers to walk them. And a lot of these dogs have been confined in cages for two or more months. So because, I mean, in, because the staff is so busy doing other tasks, yeah, maintaining can, the shelter, that they don't have time to give the dogs one-on-one no, attention, so they, they rely they on volunteers. at least 20 minutes at least. And uh, some of those dogs get 20, if they are lucky, they get 20 minutes once a month. And they're stuck in these cages, and they exhibit all kinds of neurotic, behavior, depressing, their emotional states, and they need volunteers to walk them. And even if they were bombarded with volunteers, it still wouldn't solve the problem, but it would relieve the problem. At least, yeah. There's so many, 500 some dogs. At least to help maintain the dog's mental state, because it's very stressful for dogs to be in kennels. I mean, some dogs... I mean, think about it. They're they're separated. They're in these cells, essentially, and the constant din of barking is is you know. I mean, it's it's twenty four seven, and these dogs are exposed to constant noise, isolation. They're not even. They're on they're cement. Even, uh, you know. They're. I mean, they're, they're not, living creatures. They're not even dogs anymore. They're just, horrible. They've lost a lot of the dogs when they're taken out for a walk. All they want to do is sit by their walker, the person walking them. They shake and they won't leave their side because they know they're going to be going back. One of the worst cases is at the Chesterfield Square Animal Service Center in Calgary, where they are just bombarded uh, with dogs. And these dogs are absolutely, they, they, they look like concentration camps. Victims. They're just staring listlessly in the space if they're not exhibiting, and most of them are, 90% of them are exhibiting gross neurotic behavior, twirling around in circles, pacing, 
Biden's getting yeah, Biden just sitting in the corner hoping that a dog doesn't pick on them, or they're just shattered by confusion and depression. Okay, this is so, uplifting. <laughs> you know, the, what we have talking about in this case, in this particular isolated case of, of humanity's re- responsibility to fellow living, living creatures and beings is to volunteer. If you can't volunteer, then donate. Prayers won't work. Forget prayers. Prayers are not going to help these dogs. And meditating is not going to help these dogs. It takes a lot of groundwork. Um, Not to say that prayer and meditation is helpful, but it doesn't solve the problem by any means. Right. It needs a physical, a physical you know, we're in a physical world, so of course prayers are always, always helpful on some level. But this, these animals need one-on-one, um, you know, interaction and people to get. You know, there, we see so many people that have extra time on their hands um, who are retired. Um, they're not working, and their time is spent. Their for free time is spent doing self-indulgent activities, and there's no volunteer. There's, they do nothing to volunteer or serve. So it's really important, especially if you have the extra time to give up yourself. Yeah, because, you know, you have to, you have to understand, now we'll get back to psychic uh, information, you have to understand that that seventh chakra in your crown has a, has a, it's a volume of energy. It has a capacity of content. And if there isn't a lot of spiritual work going on that that extends beyond the ego, you know, oh, I'm praying, I've been praying for this to happen so I can have a house, so I can have a boyfriend. If that chakra doesn't extend into some sense of giving back, even if you don't have much, giving back, volunteering, that chakra goes empty or has maybe an inch out of five feet. And a lot of times, it's my belief, you come back to fulfill your duty to the planet. That's why so many people are so diligent about doing volunteer work, helping others, sacrificing as much as they can. There's awareness. They may not think it's like a path life, but they come in equipped with an awareness right. to That's not give back. necessarily conscious awareness. It's just embedded within their consciousness. The the sense of responsibility to self is a given. You have to. You don't get rewarded for that. Paying your bills, going to work, abiding by the laws of the land, being kind, all of these things are given. They're not rewards. System. They're just the basic given parts of humanity. When we get into things that we don't have to do, then what happens in our chakra system is it starts to raise the level of energy in that chakra system where there is some outstanding measurement of pure activity that is above and beyond the ego. I mean, the ego can be involved, but it's above and beyond the immediacy of the ego. So in that respect, the attitude of uh, how we are 
potentially judged, for those of you that believe in this, how we are potentially judged will not just rest on the merits of your responsibility to self. And we know what that means, the typical statement. We know what it means. We're talking about the extraordinary work that we can do above and beyond, like we have said, volunteering, giving donations, uh, doing something to raise the consciousness. Even if you um, do it locally, even if you put a bird feeder out or or, uh, honey, sugar water for the hummingbirds, or if you see a lost dog and you take the time out to, to capture the dog and find its home, all of these things are above and beyond the merits. And we're just not talking about animals. We're talking about children. We're talking about being active, involved. There are children that are neglected. There are shelters. There's all kinds of things. Even if you, you know, stop at a freeway exit and a guy sitting there was a sign, God bless anything you can give. And you say to yourself, ah, they're, they're, they're just... Uh, they're just parasites. Or you say, you know what? Who knows what that person's drama is? I'll give my dollar. All of these things count. They all count because they 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 move beyond the the immediacy of a person's chakra system, and yet the chakras will receive the activity and register it as something above and beyond the ego. It's about caring. So when we get into that attitude, uh, we, we all have to look. Now, some of us say, you know what? I'm one of those victims. I need help. I do all I can, but every ounce of my breath is about survival, and I cannot give. Now, am I going to be condemned for that? No. It, your karma is packed with so much density and difficulty that it makes it impossible for you to get help and help others yeah. because you're trying so hard to just survive in the world. No, of course, then it's not going to be. Then you're on the other side of that. And maybe there'll be some kind soul that who will give volunteer you for you yeah. and help you out, even if there are some creature comforts being met on your part already. So it, it is a it's not a direct line. It's not a direct vision. You either have or you don't. To have or have not. You know, it's not one of those issues. Black and white. It's there's there's this vast territory where we all get pulled together to the extent that we give as much as we get, or in some ratio that there's some sense of balance. And I think that's what is very important. And especially for those creatures of the planet that rely on us. Dogs are domesticated. Cats are somewhat domesticated. But that rely on us. Animals, the welfare of animals, the welfare of our planet, uh, the welfare of sequoias and trees. Um, now these sequoias are this grove of Sequoias are being threatened by a fire, and they can, they're figuring out it wasn't a natural set fire. It was human produced fire, maybe by accident, but someone wasn't watching something carefully. Maybe it was intentional. But now we've got destruction, and we, we have it. 
And we're living in a world where, where everything is rising to a level of panic, war, pollution, uh, human rights. We're, we're not in good shape, and we're not good stewards of the planet. And sometimes it's attitude. We choose sides, and we just forget about the middle ground being responsible. So I think that, you know, if there's a matter of maybe pausing and praying and meditating, then action. Because prayer and meditation should be the last resort. Well, I mean, it should be, I wouldn't say a last resort necessarily, but it should be an ongoing, ongoing practice while being active on a, on a right. ongoing, interactive but, level. But without activity... Without activity, it's nothing but fluff. Sorry, you need you need to accompany it with action. Well, it's interesting. That is an interesting statement because you have cloistered nuns, for example, like the Carmelites, and they're they are in their cloisters. They're isolated isolated um, nunneries, and in fact, I mean they're. They only stay within their own their own group. So even if they have visitors, like family members, for example, you visit them. There's a screen between them and the outside world. So they're completely, completely divided from the outside world. And they're they're the amount of time that they're allowed to visit family members is totally limited. And again, like I said, there's that screen. But what they do is that you know, their whole lives are devoted to prayer and their faith. But, you know, as far as activity, I'm sure there's there's probably some kind of volunteer work that they do. I got to look. I'll never forget the experience I had walking into a grocery store. And there was a person, a lady, bending down, looking at the bread prices. She was actually bending down because the the bread was on different racks, and she was bending down, looking at the bread prices. And in behind her comes walking up what I later heard by accident was an Irish Catholic priest. And he looked at her and said to her, to my amazement, he said, oh, get up off your knees. Praying isn't going to bring those prices down. And he walked on, and I thought to myself, what a, what a unique guy. Here he is, a man of the cloth. He's a priest, had a very thick Irish accent, and yet had that crusty, poor humor that, that knew that you have to be active uh, in order to be spiritual. Now, a lot of Catholics believe that. There's a lot of um, Catholics. Active in most in, in many ways. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, and he was a priest. A lot of Catholic He didn't go down and, and say, "Oh my, my child, let's pray together." He he had a comment right there and then. Social activism, social activism, world consciousness activism. Um, you know, understanding that we're never going to reach a total agreement in this universe between the environmentalists and the ranchers, the farmers and the the air club, we're 
We, have, we live in a harsh world of compromise. When we try to enforce a one-sided opinion, we get in terms of fascism, communism, dictatorships, state-controlled. We're never going to have a blanket world government. We're never going to have a blanket consensus of dictatorship. It's not going to happen. We have to learn how to compromise. And that job is almost impossible, too, um, as we proceed and look at his look back at history and look at our current state of affairs. Um, Biden thought he was going to bring everybody together. Well, he hasn't done that either. So we're, we're never going to find that medium where we have a wonderful world of compromise. We might find it in small sections. Now, when we're at war with ourselves, now that's where we might find some unity so that on an individual level, one can say, however, in a frustrated mode of existence, one can say, I am at one with myself. Every part of my life is devoted to the welfare of the planet, to the welfare of self, to the welfare of others. I wake up with a sense of responsibility and commitment and action. And I go to bed holding on to that commitment, and I wake up with it. Now, those individuals may be few and far between them, and, and, and that may be in great numbers. But still, nonetheless, that's how we do it on an individual level, an individual unity with himself. Okay, so I wanted to speak. I, I wanted to speak with full uh, awareness before I really made a huge statement about this. So let's talk about that. Carmelite nuns, cloistered nuns. So these, this, this, this site. Um, it talks about the Sisters of Carmel, which is a, a, a certain group of cloistered Carmelite nuns. Now, apparently, in recent years, some of the Carmelite nuns have become more active in terms of their service to the community and volunteerism. But these Carmelite nuns, this particular cloister, um, this is what they do. Eight hours a day, they pray. Two hours are spent in recreation, and about five hours are given to manual work, reading, and study. Except for the time of recreation, we strive to keep strict silence and recollection so as to make our lives a prayer continuous. That's what they do. So, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, they're, they're, it's a very intense group of individuals devoted to prayer and silence. And they're not involved at all in, well, you know, being... That, that is an isolated sense of devotion to a cause. And right. in that case, there's an application of effectiveness because prayer does have a certain power. And if people become the embodiment of solitary prayer and confinement and full force in the universe, that can, yes, that can be moving. Um, and that's what they've ascribed to do. That's not what I was intending. To no, no, I'm not saying that you were. I'm not saying that you were, but it just came up in my, I, I, it came up as a thought in my head because these are people that are devoted, very, very, um, uh, yeah. I mean, very intensely to Christ, prayer, 
um, well, you and, know, uh, you know, you the know, power of prayer. Investigation, um, those two hours of recreation, I discovered they were watching Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> well, they can talk. They can talk amongst themselves during those those two uh, hours of recreation. But I mean, the fact that they're you know they're they take a vow of silence. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. Intense. So, you know, what we're suggesting is those people who have ample time, they have they, they really have they're not occupied with any sense of severe devotion, and they spend most of their days watching TV and, you know, eating popcorn and whatnot. It doesn't mean that they aren't good people. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't jump to a cause if there was an accident outside their house. But it does mean that the way you spend your time, idle hands make brittle minds. Idle hands. Well, it wasn't the devil. I, I, idle hands, the devil's hand. No, I'm pointing the new oh, I see. The devil's gotten enough credit for being idle. But for being idolized. Your mind is something that is in full operation of being a caretaker of the universe, of being a caretaker of existence. And when you waste your mind on things that are abundantly trivial and personal, and you, you, you depend on, well, I'm depressed. Okay, you're depressed. Whatever it may be, it still doesn't mean that we have to activate a certain amount of energy. And we're not minimizing pure states of anxiety and depression and psychological stress, trauma. We're, we're not suggesting that there's places for that in the universe for people to medicate themselves in isolation or in in some form of hospitalization, but we're talking about the obvious methods of, of being other-oriented, where you can't really pinpoint an exact location of why you're the center, and what that might really be. So I, 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 sometimes people do it in solitary confinement. People uh, mend clothes for organizations. They, they create they give it to the American Indian tribes. They, there are so many things that people do in their solitary time that does happen, actual energy. Even in our, our small thought form community, we, we do the radio show. It's nothing much. It's a pebble in the ocean. But it's still an act of giving back and being there without any sense of gratification or yeah although we do accept donations we do (laughs) we do accept donations well Uh, we do pay to put the show on there yeah Yeah. so we do accept donations we we we, We were getting bombarded with donation requests i mean it's amazing so so now we've gotten to an attitude of what then do we do with our mind? Do we do we forget the oppressed? Do we forget the problems in the world? Do we listen to them and, and have emotional involvement and we stop there? Or do we go to the third level and actually get up and do something about it? Get up and do it. As long as it doesn't harm and, and destroy another's existence, 
if there's enhancement all the way around, you know, or, or there's protection. Maybe you're harming somebody's existence who's abusing somebody. You're harming their existence, but you're protecting the innocent. And so there's a sort of gray area there, but necessary. So in the attitude of uh, how we color our chakra, and the question too is why are chakras have colors? Why is that? It's simple. Why is the earth filled with different colors? Colors create energy. Colors suggest emotional states. Right, of course. The chakras, right. The chakras, if they're not functioning properly, maybe appear to be different colors than their, you know, their typical assigned color. You know, the composition of our of our human of our human nature is, is multicolored. We're colored by genes. We're colored by the environment. We're colored by the pulse of our blood, and we're a continuing landscape or portrait scape of various colors produced by various means. Color is part of our energy. Then we also have our favorite colors, and we wear them. And and then we we try to find unity. Oh, does this match? Oh, that person. They don't know how to match their clothes. You know. Now we have to. In, in conventional ways, match our colors so that everything's balanced, even though it, there's various forms of color. Now, the chakra system is not a matching system of color. It doesn't even, the colors are very contrasting. They don't even formulate, well, they somewhat formulate, but they go from red to yellow, red to yellow, to green. To green, that's a stoplight. Yeah, that's right. And and if you're coughing a lot, you have a lot of congestion. (laughs) Um, Traffic-wise. Right. And so when you get into those colors, and, you know, the highest color is um, violet, purple, purple, blue right below it. Sometimes white blends in with purple for the highest color. We know our sacraments are usually wrapped in purple. purple. Why? Well, purple is also symbolic of the blood before shedding. So it's the, quote, blood of redemption. Uh, the well, blood shedding is sacrifice. Well, also the blood that Christ shed for humankind. So well, in that regard, but, but then, but that's the blood of, of sacrifice. Right. The, the eternal energy of the universe would be more involved in the eternal sense of the blood. But if we're excited, we don't turn purple and we don't shed blood. Our blood's with us, but we turn red. Because as soon as the blood reaches a sense of atmospheric connection, the blood turns red. It takes the atmosphere. And so really the blood inside you is not red. When you're excited, you don't look down and see red veins. You still see purple veins, and yet your skin color might turn red. And that is because of the environment, the air we breathe, the atmosphere. So that chemical composition actually changes and transforms us into a world of living color. 
and usually, you know, we, we associate color too with seasons. We have autumn colors, our summer colors. And why is that? Why do, why do we have to, in our consciousness, blend our colors? And we're talking again about the semblance of energy, balance, unity, even in form of diversity. And I'm not excusing those people who like to wear just one color, all black or all white. Um, and then we have colors that are appropriate to uh, occupation. Doctors typically have the white robe. Typically. Sometimes the blue surgeon. Uh, waitresses used to wear black and white. Black, white tops, black bottoms. That's how they look. A chef's hat has a white. They don't have a red shirt. I mean, sometimes, maybe in a in the Japanese restaurants, it might be red. But it's typically, but a chef is a professional chef, well-trained. They're white. One white. white. They're white clothes. <laughs> Get yourself in trouble here. White clothes, white hat, white white, white hat, white coat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, car salesmen, all kinds of colors. Um, especially this stupid um, Oh my God! But, you know we have our colors, even in our flags. We have certain colors. Colors are important. Animals display colors according to the identity of the sex. Yeah, and of course, you know, they like sport, colors. sports teams. You know, there's colors. You need to wear your colors for your chosen sports team. You know, when you're having right. I mean, you know, a very rarely do you see an or whatever going to battle wearing pink. It's <laughs> usually not pink. Um, but lavender is an exception. Lavender is an exception. Uh, so when, but there are, you know, it, it, there are, there are a couple of outfits that you know, the Napoleonic War. Um, you know, that looked like they had a fashion designer, I mean, they probably did. But the idea that we uh, are, are, we are still creatures that seek some sense of balance, color, variety, emotion, and that's the way the universe has to work in terms of this diversity between being other-oriented and self-oriented and being conscious of all forms of life. Well, yeah, but I think that, I mean, you know, where we started today was, uh, you know, the idea of responsibility in one's own. It's difficult to be responsible and other focused if you're not responsible in your own life. And I mean, with this particular situation we were talking about, the problem is the the person didn't have any inkling of how to be responsible for another for 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 a life that this person was supposed to be in the care of you know or caring for rather i mean no consciousness little consciousness though the there seemed to be a lot of love for this animal no idea about how to 
take care of the animal. So there's a problem in that individual. I mean, how can you expect a person like that if 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 he's not responsible enough in his own world to take care of something that is in his care to go out and help others? You know, perhaps he has more consciousness towards human beings. You know, maybe there's 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 more awareness in that in in that category, but certainly not not in the in the um, category we, of we being aware. So, uh, we have a lot to learn from animals. We become so ignorant of body language. Most animals communicate by body language, and a lot of people who have a dog and love their dog, but they don't understand the body language of the dog when the dog has a need. But a dog, therefore even a cat, when we're talking about domestic pets, will watch every movement you make and learn what your behavior is according to your movement. But they expect the same thing out of you if they're looking at you for attention. If, you know, have you ever left your house and your dog staring at you with his ears up? thinking, am I going, am I not going, looking at the body language, maybe hearing a key word that is accustomed to associate with an action. There's attitude in body language. And what animals do is they record your body language. And they expect your body language is connected to their sense of interpretation. So they watch us continuously. What we've forgotten to do we have forgotten to really study body language, unless it's immediately getting from the face, literally and symbolic and, and, and movement. But we've forgotten to really study body language. Policemen have to study it all the time. They have courses on it. And psychiatrists and such such things. A doctor the talking doctor, to you will watch right. your body language as you're speaking and put together a semblance of interpretation in, in addition to their diagnosis. So the idea that we, we, it's a matter of being aware. When you get to a higher element of communication, by God, I know, I have proven to myself that I can look at a bird and send that bird a signal. And within 60 seconds, that bird will fly down to me within three feet. Now, that's a higher form of communication. Not every human being is going to reach that. I reach it just out of sheer the pursuit of, of, of connecting. I didn't have to, but I wanted to try it, and then it became something that I desired to do. And I see it happen all the time, even with insects. There's oh, a report yeah. that bees will recognize you. Bees recognize their beekeeper, and they know the movement. It's amazing. There was a lady who rescued a big bumblebee, and the bumblebee became the woman's friend and wouldn't leave her side. It would just crawl on her all the time, stayed with her. The bumblebee, it was posted on a, a videotube thing. YouTube? YouTube. How this big bumblebee became this woman's friend. And because she rescued it. So I don't know how the woman looked. You know, bumblebees have compounded eyes, so but they must but to the bumblebee it it was a figure recognized. 
and decided to stay with. And she fed the bumblebee and they, they did all kinds well, of Well, and of course, they have their colonies, bumblebees, and we save bees constantly. And the bees that we save seem to recognize us, even if we haven't maybe necessarily uh, interacted with that specific bee before. So I think there is a communication, a higher level of communication that these bees have with one another. And, you know, we're, as people that are conscious of environment, of, of animals and of insects, there's an awareness of these bees, of us, yeah. you know, which is, I mean, that's a pretty high intelligence when you consider these are, these are um, insects we're talking about. When we're talking about the cosmic connection of language, it, it's language on a cosmic level. And when we get into a, the language on a cosmic level, we're talking about a universal language that we all share with every living creature on the planet, from men and women all the way down to worms, believe it or not. There is a cosmic connection that we have with our fellow creatures. And that connection doesn't always have to be by produced by the way of the human tongue. Right. It's true. And I mean, it, I really do feel that at least on our property, it is a sanctuary for living creatures, whether they're insects, birds, lizards, mice. mice. I mean, mice. <laughs> terrible. Not eat the wild I mean, there, God, we saved a fly from our house yesterday, which... The fly landed on my hand, and I felt like that fly, and you said, oh, that fly knows you. And, I mean, it really did feel that the fly landed on me to communicate with me. I am not a fan of flies, i got to tell you, but I wouldn't have killed this fly, and we did ultimately say, you know. No, the fly let me capture him. He did, you know, he was one of those fast green bottle flies, and they are fast and alert. You never can hardly catch them. He just let me calmly, he knew. I, I said to him, talk to him, I'm going to put you outside. So let me just stay where you are, and I'll put you outside. And he stayed like a dog. He just stayed. Didn't, he knew I was coming. He, he felt me moving towards him. He, he felt the glass go around him and the lid, and he just sat there, looked. And then um, uh, he, we let him outside. Now, he didn't pay rent. <laughs> and so we do have a bill. Well, I, I stupidly, the other day, remember I told you that green insect was outside. I said there was a little green square bug that I'd never seen before. <laughs> I'm sitting there saying to the insect, I'm talking to the bug. The bug was so cute. He actually jumped. He did like a 180-degree jump when I was talking to him, like he was real excited. Yeah. But I told the I told the this insect. I said, you're welcome here. I said, we love you and you're welcome to stay here. <laughs> and then, of course, when I looked it up, I uh, saw that it was like a, a, a pest, you know, a, 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 a yeah, pest they, to, um, right. like, you know, would threaten your flowers if you had a garden or vegetables, so on and so forth, could well, be harmful to trees. Well, and I'm sitting there a, saying, you're welcome here. And well, that was <laughs> a great bug to have. He's really cute. The university uh, had this wonderful professor in sociology who was very, very well learned. His lectures were monuments of intellect. 
and diversity. But he once he he would talk about his beautiful garden and his tomatoes, and he would talk about how he loved his garden. And then one day he came in and he said, "You know, I feel really good today. There was a snail on my garden, and I didn't kill it this time. I picked him up in my hand. And I said, "You're welcome to be on this planet." Just don't eat my tomatoes. I'm going to put you over here, and I don't want you coming over and eating my tomatoes, but I'm, I'm not going to kill you this time. And he said, I felt really good about that. And he said, now that happened two months ago. I haven't seen one snail on my tomatoes. Yeah. Since then. Um, now, you know, this guy, the way he talked, he was an active intellectual. And you don't, wouldn't expect him to say this, especially the way he would talk about his garden all the time. But I, uh, I, I, I was kind of surprised that he, he extended his mindset into something as threatening to him as an insect that would damage his prized tomato patch garden. And yet he felt better for it, and he seemed to have a sense that there was a communication part. Now, he talked to you. Snail. He actually talked to the snail, and so there's a uh, there's a sense of that I think in our genes, in, in 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 our DNA, we have a little bit of every creature on the planet in us, and some of us have a little bit more animal DNA than others. Yeah, for sure. Horse whispers and. For sure. Communicate with the bears of the forest and whatnot. But we all have it. We all have it. Um, I remember uh, a Doberman Pinscher that was a man killer trained to kill. And this person I was saying with said, I can't let this dog out of the cage here. It will kill you. It will kill you. And the dog was out to kill me. His behavior was tremendously threatening. And I said, just open the cage. And the person said, no, 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 no. I said, I want you to open that cage. Even I was a little bit trembling. But, and so she op- opened the cage, and the dog started to charge me. To kill, not to fight, to kill. And I looked at that dog and sent that dog a message some kind of love, compassion, connection. It was a thought form. The dog suddenly stopped and looked at me, wagged its tail, and then approached me with its head back, wagging its tail, sniffed my hand. The person said... She was obviously shocked. She was... Completely she, shocked. She still didn't know. I've heard this story many times. Yeah. I've <laughs> many, many times. Well, the first time I've told it, no, no, it is. It is the first um, time you told it. But I say it for a reason. I say it for a reason because I think that... And this has happened to me with grizzly bears, too, charging me. Oh, you're lucky that you've been able to have the experience of encountering a bear. I wish I had never right. encountered a bear. I mean, obviously, it's a dangerous dangerous situation, but I would, you know, well, like to be in the wild. And, and, and uh, I got in the path of a grizzly bear, and it charged me. And I stood my ground. Now, if you stand your ground, they say a bear might stop and stand up on its hind legs and sniff the air and maybe walk away. So there is some sense of grizzly bear expertise behavior you could exhibit. 
I didn't know that at the time. I just thought Rizzo was charging me, and I stood my how much ground. Did, how much did he charge you? Did, was it like could be American Express? Or? <laughs> I see. Uh, and I just said to the bear, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. And the bear did stop. And like the bear in, um, in the movies, it stopped and waved at me with its paw. Waved. Oh. And then walked away into the underbrush. Oh. But now, what was that about? Was it that I, I unknowingly did exhibited behavior that a bear specialist would tell you to do? Or was there something else going on? I believe something else was going on because the bear immediately stopped. Now, that's the attitude of how you send a vibration out, which, you know, alludes back to our nuns about prayer, prayer. things like this. There is a vibrational energy that, that comes out of our body that does affect the immediate environment as well as abstractions from faraway places. Uh, that we can't necessarily see in front of us. So there's an energy force. And when, when you do pray, even uh, scriptural soldiers, pray with faith. Faith is an energy. Faith is not, when as soon as you say faith, there's no compromise. So it's a word complete in itself. You can't have faith and doubt. It's not faith there. Faith is without doubt. Maybe when in doubt, it's faith, but faith doesn't accompany itself with doubt in terms of its eternal content. So when you believe that faith is concrete energy, then faith becomes active. It becomes an active force in the universe. A thought form can be accompanied by faith in that terminology. It becomes an active thought form that is propelled by faith that has an outstanding outcome. And that is where things typically exist in our universe in terms of how you can activate an energy field. Well, that, and then, you know, talking about act, sorry to interrupt. Go go finish your thought. Finish, no, No, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, and then we talk about activating an energy field and the fact that, you know, when you start to connect, when you start to connect with, animals, insects on an earth basis, then in your astral journeys, you start to connect with them, which is really a blessing. Um, You know, having dreams that are filled with animals, um, being able to connect with animals in terms of animal symbols in your third eye uh, and communication with animals in that regard. So extending beyond the physical realm into an astral form of communication with these creatures, having animal spirit guides. I remember uh, prior to moving here, a dream that I had um, that I relayed to you about a bear that I was, that I I don't remember the exact details, but the bear was protecting me and it was, and you were saying, well, that's, you know, one of my spirit animals and that's why you connected with the animal in the dream, so on and so forth. So, um, Anyway, yeah, and to know. those you know listening, you can have a relationship with yourself. If you're praying for your own concerns, this doesn't exclude the fact that you can pray for your own concerns and receive an immediate response or a, 
or an ultimate response that's in your favor because you prayed in faith. You prayed in faith with good intention. Intention is intent. Intent is in me. What is the intent of your prayer? You know, is it just for self-satisfaction or is it a, a prayer to take care of yourself when you have no other means to do so? And you have to rely on yourself for a prayer. And this can be as this can be as selfish as wanting a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a home or a job. We're not suggesting that you can't pray for yourself and 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 still be not guilty of self satisfaction on some selfish level. There's an attitude that prayer and energy and focus can be from the self up. It, it's just that the, the full awareness that we have to be conscious of our environment as well as our immediate, the immediate vicinity of our body, mind, and soul. Well, that's a lovely note to end the show on. We are out of time and about to receive our 90-second warning. Okay. So we're back on the air on Sunday, Ugh, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and we hope to hear from some of you then. That's our 90-second warning. We're done. Bye-bye.